Chapter 14, The World Discovers Wimbay. Despite the incident with the famine, my popularity as an inventor led to other opportunities. That same year, one of the teachers at Wimbay Primary asked if I'd be interested in starting a science club for the students. He was impressed by my windmill and wanted one on campus. The students look up to you, he said. Your skills in science will really challenge their brains. Sure, I said, I'll do it. The windmill I created for the school was small, much like my first radio experiment. For the blades, I used a metal maze pail and the generator was a radio motor. I attached it to a blue gum pole and ran the wires into my old Panasonic two battery radio. I did this during recess one morning when all the kids were playing soccer. When I connected the wires and music blasted through the schoolyard, a small riot erupted from all the excitement. The windmill not only allowed students to listen to music and news, but they could also charge their parents' mobile phones. Each Monday, I explained to them the basics of science and gave some popular examples of simple innovation, like how ink was first made by using charcoal. I also demonstrated the cup and string experiment featured in my books to help explain how a telephone works. I walked them through the steps of how I built everything using everyday materials. So many things around you are reusable, I told them. Where others see garbage, I see opportunity. I hoped I was inspiring them in some way, because if I could teach my neighbors how to build windmills, what else could we build together? In science, we invent and create. We make new things that can benefit our situation. If we can all invent something to make our lives better, we can change Malawi. I later found out that some of the students had been so inspired by the windmill, they'd gone home and made toy versions themselves. I imagined what it would be like if all those pinwheels were real. What if every home and shop in Wimbe had the machines on the rooftops to catch the wind? At night, the entire valley would sparkle like a clear sky full of stars. Bringing electricity to many people no longer seemed like a madman's dream. In early November 2006, some officials from Malawi teacher training activity were inspecting the library at Wimbe Primary when they noticed my windmill in the schoolyard. They asked Miss Sakalo who built it and she gave them my name. One of them telephoned his boss, Dr. Hartford, Hartford Mchazime, and described what he'd seen. A few days later, Dr. Mchazime drove five hours to Wimbe. He was even more amazed once he saw the larger windmill at my house. And he asked my father if he could speak with the boy who'd built it. He's right here, my father said, called me from my room. Dr. Mchazime was an older man with gray hair and kind, patient eyes. But when he spoke, his command of the language was large and powerful. I'd never heard anyone speak such good Chichua, and when he spoke English, it was simply eloquent. He asked me about my windmill and how it came about. Tell me everything, he said. I told the story as I'd done a hundred times before, then took him through the house, demonstrating how the switches and the circuit breaker worked. He listened carefully, nodding his head and asked specific questions. These are very tiny bulbs. Why aren't you using big ones? I can use big ones, but the big lights require more voltage. The dynamo is only so strong. How far did you go with your education? Just the first year in secondary school, I said. Then how do you know this stuff about voltage and power? I've been borrowing books from your library. 
Who teaches you this stuff? Who helps you? Well, no one, I said. I've been reading and doing it alone. Dr. Mchezime went to see my parents. You have lights in your house because of your son, he said. What do you think of this? You thought he was mad, my mother says. Dr. Mchezime laughed and shook his head. I want to tell you something, he said. You may not realize, but your son has done something amazing. And this is only the beginning. You're going to see a lot more people coming here to see William Kamkwamba. And I have a feeling this boy will go far. I want you to be ready. The visit left me a little confused and very excited. No one had ever asked me such questions before, and no one had taken that kind of interest. That afternoon, the doctor returned to his office in Zamba and told his colleagues what he'd seen. This is fantastic, they said. The whole world needs to know about this boy. I agree, said Dr. Machazume, and I have just the idea. The next week, Dr. Machazume returned to my house with a journalist from Radio 1. It was the famous Everson Masaya, whose voice I'd heard for years. He'd come to my house to interview me. What do you call this thing, he asked. I'm calling it electric wind. Well, how does it work? The blades spin and generate power from a dynamo. And in the future, what do you want to do with this? I want to reach every village in Malawi so people can have lights and water. While we waited for Radio 1 interview to air, Dr. Mchezume came with even more reporters. These men represented all the great media organizations in Malawi. The Zodiac Radio Channels, the Daily Times, the Nation, and Malawi News. They poured out of their car with their cameras and tape recorders and flocked around the windmill. For two hours, they moved through the house, elbowing and shoving one another to get the best picture of my switch and battery system. You've had your time. Now it's my turn. Move aside. My paper is bigger. Soon our yard was filled with crowds from the trading center who'd come to gawk at the famous journalist. Look, it's Noel from Zodiac, they said. Finally, we see his face. What a handsome man. He's interviewing William. One of the reporters even climbed my tower and studied the blades and chain system, taking pictures the whole time. Mchazime, this chap is a genius, he shouted. Yes, he answered, and this is the problem with our system. We're losing talent like this all the time as a result of poverty. And when we do send them back to school, it's not good education. I'm bringing you here because I want the world to see what this boy has done. And I want them to help. Like me, Dr. Mchazime's father had also been poor. He struggled to feed and close his family, but he knew the value of education. At one point, when the doctor was young, he had volunteered to drop out of school and work so his brothers could go instead. His father refused, saying, all of my kids will stay in school. I will do whatever it takes. It took nearly 10 years for Dr. Mchazime to complete his secondary education. He later earned degrees from universities in Malawi, America, Britain, and South Africa. Before working for the NTTA, he'd written many Malawian textbooks, including my own standard eight English reader. The day after the journalist came to visit, the interview finally aired on Radio 1. I was behind the house chatting with my aunt, and my mother said, William, quick, it's coming on. My family gathered around the radio, and I heard an announcer say, a boy in Wimbe has made electric wind. 
When my voice came through the speakers, my sisters began to cheer. If the radio show weren't enough good fortune, the story in the Daily Times was published the following week with a big headline that said, School Dropout with a Streak of Genius. The story had a photo of me pretending to connect the wires to the battery in my room, still unable to wipe the smile from my face. That afternoon, I took the paper to the trading center to show everyone what the madman had done. We also heard you on the radio, they said. We were so impressed with how well you spoke. In a way, it took having these reporters come to my house to make our town finally accept my windmill. After the media coverage, the number of visitors to my house increased tenfold. Shortly after, I started some much-needed improvements on the windmill. I realized the big mango tree behind the latrine was blocking my strongest wind, and I needed to go higher. My father, with the Daily Times story under his arm, was unable to convince the manager of the tobacco estate to give me several giant poles, which I used to build a tower that was 36 feet high. Once I moved it away from the mango tree, the speed of my blades doubled, and so did the voltage. The day after the Daily Times article, a Malawian in named Soyapi Mumba brought the article to his office. Soyapi worked as a software engineer and a coder at Baweb Health Partnership, an American charity organization that was working to computerize Malawi's healthcare system. One of Soyapi's colleagues, a tall American named Mike McKay, liked the article about my windmill so much that he wrote about it on his blog, Hack Hackbait. The blog entry caught the attention of Mika Okafor, a famous Nigerian author and blogger who is also the program director of something called TED Global Conference. Well, Amika wanted me to apply to be an official fellow at this conference and for three weeks tried very hard to find me. After harassing reporters at the paper every day, he finally tracked down Dr. Mchazime. In mid-December 2006, Dr. Mchazime came to my home with the application and paperwork for TED. We sat down under the mango tree and he helped me answer a list of questions, plus write a small essay about my life. When he left, I still had no idea what TED was, though I do now. It means technology, entertainment, and design. And it's an annual meeting where scientists and innovators get together to share their big ideas. I wasn't exactly sure what a conference was or what people did at such things. The application didn't even say where it was held. I suspected Lalongwe, the capital, but I didn't know. I imagined myself walking those busy streets and seeing all sorts of new people. I wonder what clothes I would need to wear since everything I own hung from a rope in my bedroom and was covered in red roof dust. Even still, it gave me something to dream about. The following week, Dr. Mchazime called to say that Ted had chosen me. The conference would be held in Arusha, Tanzania, an entirely different country. You'll be honored with other scientists and inventors. People from all over the world will be there. Perhaps something good can come from it. Wow, Arusha. How long would that bus ride take? And what if I got hungry? I'd have to bring plenty of food, perhaps cakes and roasted maize. After all, I had no money. One important thing, he said, we should book your flight before it fills up. 
I'm traveling by plane? My God, I said. Yes, and they wish to know if you want a smoking or non-smoking room in the hotel. I'm staying at a hotel? I thought for sure I'd be sleeping in one of those guest houses near the boozing dens where poor people stay. Of course you're staying in a hotel. And I have other good news, William. You're going back to school.